Welcome to Seymour from the Front Pew Podcast, coming to you from the broadcast studio at Seymour First Baptist Church in Seymour, Tennessee, and featuring thoughts and discussions around loving God, loving others, making disciples, and living the life. I am your host, Tiger Brooks, and now on to the podcast. Thank you for joining us once again on Seymour from the Front Pew as we are continuing a series that we started several weeks ago. Hey, listen! And uh, we have, uh, we've called Sean Trollinger, our student minister, called him up from uh, AAA. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's getting a start today uh, in place of... Uh, our illustrious leader, Corey, who is away on assignment. And uh, we're going to continue in our Ephesians series. And uh, <laughs> we uh, are, again, with the, the thought processes behind this series, we've got another chapter to go uh, after we finish up today. But uh, the thought process, we have two chapters to go. Two yeah, chapters. Two chapters to go. Uh, the thought process is being that we wanted to sort of give our listeners and viewers uh, an idea about what a D group kind of looks like and feels like as you and your friends get together and you discuss scripture that you have read prior to coming to the meeting. And, uh, and we just kind of randomly selected a, a very rich letter of Paul uh, in the new Testament. Uh, Ephesians is chock full so full that uh, in getting to chapter four, we we couldn't even get it all in. <laughs> so we wanted to continue our uh, discussions uh, related to about the second half of chapter four, somewhere around verses eight, nine, moving forward, uh, because there's just some some wonderful stuff in there. But anyway, Sean, welcome. We're glad that you're here with us, buddy. Yeah, excited to be here. And I'm just kidding. You're 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 no AAAer. <laughs> you're you're a major leaguer uh, all the way. And uh, we've got uh, Ephesians 4. So we're going to draw straws. You're going to play rock, paper, scissors, pencil. (laughs) 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 That was so funny. Uh, Hey, I got a question. Okay. What do you call somebody? Oh, no. He's going to launch into jokes. What do you call somebody with no body and no nose? Nobody knows. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did you just look this up? Yeah, I've got a whole list of them. I've been saving them, man. Is this what we get to look forward to every oh, single time man. we get up here? Now, yep. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the mm. trouble of. Okay. Anyway, okay. Ephesians. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Ephesians. Uh, Chapter four. Jason, you said you had something right there in 14. So you just start us, brother. All right. Well, I'll jump in. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of picking up off of, off of last week. So uh, obviously you may need to go back. And even, even I can't fully remember how the train of thought kind of hit. But we were talking about um, 
sometimes in unity and other aspects of the church, it, it takes uh, the difficult conversations. And, and we kind of were going down that, that terminology and, and thinking about that a little bit. And uh, one of the things in verse 14, this kind of hit me a little bit, it says, then we no longer, uh, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the technique of deceit. Um, and so the the image that came to my mind on this, so I have a, I have a scar on my right foot, right on the top of my right foot, and I have no recollection of where this scar came from. Don't remember it. Uh, but I asked my my dad one time, I was like, where did this scar come from? And he said, well, there was a time that we were out in the ocean, and I, I was a little kid, and the waves started getting really bad, and it hit me so hard that it knocked me over. And the only way that my dad could stop me from being pulled out by the waves was to stomp on my foot to push down into the into the sand. And what it did is it ripped the top of my foot, <laughs> the skin on my foot. And as I started thinking about it, I couldn't help but think about that instance, even though I don't remember that, but my dad was explaining to me what took place. And we talk about this idea of we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every kind of, of wind, every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness and the technique of deceit. And it, it just kind of hit me that, you know, sometimes... I think in the church, we try to be, and, and rightfully so, we need to be uh, gracious and kind and, and loving in the approach of the way we do that. But there's also this incredibly dangerous <laughs> uh, teaching out there that is, is contrary to biblical teaching, and sometimes we have to stomp on a foot. Mm. Yeah, to stop people from being blown by the waves. Um, sometimes I need someone to stomp on my foot to keep me from being tossed to and from, letting the waves knock me over and blow me to and from. And 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 sometimes it takes that hard stance, <laughs> if you will, to say no. You, you've got you, you're not just a little child anymore. That's that you, you can't just you can't let this happen. You've got to wake up. You got to see. Um, and and that 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 just kind of hit me. That imagery hit me whenever I read that verse. That um, that too often, even as adults, we are we do let the waves blow us, mm -hmm. <laughs> knock us over. We do let the wind just blow us to and from wherever we want it. It wants to. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that what <clears throat> what that causes me to consider when you say that are the verses just prior to that, which um, really leads to that, mm. then we will no longer be little children. Well, why? Well, because in verses 11 through 13, he says, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry mm -hmm. to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we're talking about unity in the body. We're talking about everyone finding their place as a member of the body. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're talking about everyone utilizing and kind of marshalling their spiritual gift so that 
the body can be equipped. Every saint, every saint can be equipped uh, for the work of ministry. And, and it is for that, those reasons that you, when you have those folks who are set aside and called of God to serve in specific, in specific positions in the church, you know, we, we are, we were called to be pastors here at this church. Uh, and, and part of our function is to guard mm-hmm. the theological underpinnings of the church as, as Corey is our lead pastor. We are, we are co-pastors. We are, we are pastors alongside of him so that we can help make sure that the teachings that go forth in the various programming of the church, Sunday schools, the things that happen in D groups and things like that. Um, you know, that's why we, we have to, we okay Sunday school curriculum. Yeah. You know, I, I ask the teachers to let me know, you know, what direction you're going with. Generally speaking, we have a path that we're going down and this is the curriculum that we use and, and it's been okayed and it's been checked and you know vetted and everything. And sometimes they have an idea that they want to do something else, mm-hmm. which is fine as long as we know what's happening and we can, we can, you know, understand the vetting of that, that, that pieces of those piece of literature, whatever it is, the same with D groups. <clears throat> and I don't, this is not casting aspersions at anyone that's ever had a conversation about me about what to do in D groups, but um, lots of well-meaning people want to come to me and say, "Hey, I want to do thus and so this book that such, such and such wrote. This person wrote, he wrote, she wrote." And I'm not knocking books. There's lots of wonderful uh, helps out there that can supplement scripture. But there's no substitute for scripture, mm-hmm. and that's why the the curriculum for D group is scripture. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you want to focus on scripture and then on the side read something else that's as- associated with it, knock yourself out. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the book police, <laughs> but I, it all kind of le- it all kind of comes from the same point. You know, yeah. we we want to make sure that the things that we put forth. Uh, our quality that they are biblically based that it is theologically sound yeah because i think i think austin and i have had this conversation relative to you know the opportunities that we have as in a unique place right now in the life cycle of our church in this season we've got people who are coming here who've never heard the gospel yeah and we don't have time to give them something other than the gospel. Yep. Because you don't know how often you're going to have a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And we can't fill the pulpit with somebody's thoughts on things. We, can, yep. you know, we can't fill the pulpit with politics. Mm-hmm. We can't fill the pulpit with some person's singular position on this particular topic. We've got to fill the pulpit with the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and His Word. And so I'm going. I'm about to. I'm about to go to preaching right now. Yeah, I hadn't already. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I really like. Um, I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, when There's enough when of those out of, there, you yeah, can go somewhere yeah. if you want. There's lots of those churches. Go to those churches. <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, anybody else you uh, want to throw in? I was just going to add in, kind of talking about this is something that brought, was brought up in the D group that I'm in. Uh, is becoming mature in your understanding of the, the word. Um, and one of the guys in the group said something I had, had never really heard or thought of. He said, you know, most Christians know just enough to get themselves in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
going off exactly what you just said is we don't need to know books. We need to know the Bible so that when we do encounter someone who doesn't know the gospel, hasn't heard it, we don't need to go to them and say, well, this pastor, this author, whoever, mm-hmm. said, no, when you say, well, from the book of whatever, from this chapter in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, whatever it may be, you know, this is what the Bible says, not this is what some guy yeah. out in whatever state wrote and he's a scholar. That, that's not what they need to hear. Right. Um, and I never thought about that. That, that is a lot of believers. They know just enough mm-hmm. to get themselves in trouble or someone else in trouble to not <clears throat> truly understand what God's word has to say. Yeah. And I think it, in addition to that, we live in an interesting day where uh, we live in the age of the celebrity pastor. Mm-hmm. And we also live in the day of uh, all the celebrity pastors who are at our fingertips. And so there are plenty of people. And again, it's not, we're not throwing stones. I'm not throwing stones mm-hmm. at, the people who consume sermons or books um, for of religious nature um, at large, mm-hmm. but you also have to be careful with that. Like you're, we especially if I think there's a pretty good litmus test you can say to that is that that if you're listening to someone exegete scripture, a they should be exegeting scripture, mm-hmm. but b when when it's their opinions about things. Um, more than anything, or if there's, it's not saturated with scripture, then that's when you get into what he's talking about. I feel like almost yeah. that they are, it is easy at that point to be just tossed back and forth by the cunningness of man, because you're listening to what a person says about scripture, not about you reading scripture yourself. And yes, there are things that you're not going to understand, and there's things that are theologically maybe out of your depth, mm-hmm. but it's better to go at those and then say, I don't know, than to go, well, you know, so-and-so on the TV um, said, this is how to interpret that. And I, so in this day and age of that consumer, consuming people's opinions of scripture, you just got to be really careful because I think when you begin to, I mean, you, you are what you eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you are eating people's opinions of the Bible, it's easy to start taking in bad opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could lead you down a whole long path, but there's, there's plenty of very loud voices who do it in the name of God right now, whether it's social media or, yeah. or YouTube or, um, <clears throat> TV, however you're consuming it, but they are, I think most of us would argue there's plenty out there that are, um, leading people down a path of destruction. And so when you start to listen to that over and over again, that's when you're going to get to where your spirit begins to be tossed back and forth by the cunningness of man mm-hmm. instead of really being rooted in the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we leave this particular passage and go to something later, I, I wanted to look at verse 16 um, because it, for me, I've got a, a, a core memory mm-hmm. Um, as a young Christian, I, I, um, I really didn't start attending church regularly until I was around 16 cause I could drive myself. Um, and then I was saved, um, when I was 17, um, and then was, was in church on a regular basis. <clears throat> and then in my college ages, uh, in my young twenties, early twenties, um, I went to a centrifuge as a super, as a counselor, if you will, uh, with our students at, at the church I attended in. And, um, I was, you know, 
part of the young crowd in with the adults. You know how it is in, the, in those circumstances. And um, I can't remember exactly, I mean, what the, the theme of the lesson was that we were learning on that particular day in that particular occasion. But it was the first time that this imagery of the parts of the body, members of the body, and all of that kind of came together and coalesced into a thought that went, I made me go, oh, yeah, okay. Because the guy, one of the guys, one of the leaders, not, not, he was just another leader from another church. He wasn't like centrifuge staff or anything. We were, we were talking about different things and a question had been posed. And he just, from memory, he wasn't looking at his Bible, just from memory, he grabbed this, this quote and he says, from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And, you know, it was like, oh man, I mean, that, 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 that's when it dawned on me that, you know, all of us have a function, you know, that's when this, you know, when you talk about the pastors and the apostles and prophets and teachers and all that, they all have functions. They all have giftedness. They all have a place to serve. And that, that was at a time when, you know, I had already begun to feel a call to ministry then, even though I was kind of fighting it. Uh, for various reasons, that's part of another podcast. Um, but that's when it—that's when it occurred to me that you know there there's there's a place for me to serve. There is a, there is something that God has equipped me to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that was exciting for me. Mm-hmm. And I and I think it was it's exciting for anybody that's that that would would read this passage and come to the understanding that you know God doesn't make mistakes. You know, everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a talent. You have a place to fit that in with the body, whether it's Seymour First Baptist Church or whatever church that you call home. Um, find that fit and get to work. It's it's kind of fun to think about. Yeah, but it's right. not the head though, because <laughs> no. if you look at fifteen, yeah. there's only one of those. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> and that's Christ. He Too often we have a lot of people that want to be the head. Yeah, <laughs> they want to be the 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 brain of it all. But exactly, that, that comes down to Christ. Very good. All right. Transitioning to the, the last half of uh, Ephesians 4, just it's chock full. Um, there's think, Go ahead. This is a good section um, for us as Christians in 21st century uh, America. I think it's a good application. You think, you think about who Paul is writing to. He's saying, you are, you, you are a Gentile. You were a Gentile. Don't be a Gentile. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, that you're living in a culture that does not understand. You are uh, a foreigner, an alien to the ways of God, yet you've been brought near and adopted. Mm-hmm. And so um, now that you are no longer like what's around you, <laughs> don't be like what's around you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah. This is a deep theology. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I love the, I mean, this, sometimes the most, one of the frustrating parts of Paul's writings is he just kind of rambles on, he just keeps yeah. going. And I, I can kind of see that Paul just kind of starts in a transition of thought and it just keeps, he just keeps writing and it just keeps kind of flowing out of him a little bit. But starting there in verse 20, but this is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him 
as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. I love this idea that we, we talk about a lot that, you know, we are created in the image and the likeness of God. And, and I think that is true, yes, in terms of the who we are as people, but this takes it even a step further and says, and put the put on the new self, that new self that is comes through faith in Jesus Christ is the one created according to God's likeness. Yeah. And and I love that how that kind of comes out there too. And 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 you know, to think about that aspect that um it is it is who I am in Christ is what begins to be that perfect image of who he is, the perfect image of of God um, and and in his likeness, uh, and ultimately in righteousness and purity of truth. (laughs) And and, and at the risk of really stirring the pot right here, but I mean, might as well. Um, You know, one of the things that came out of the Super Bowl was a long talk about the He Gets Us campaign. Yes. Oh, you are stirring the pot. Yeah. And, um, and you know, the, the thing that, and, and I, I, I can appreciate what they're trying to do in that. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate the fact that, that yes, in fact, Jesus does love us and he desires to have a relationship with us, but he calls us yeah. to take off your former way of life yep. Yep. and to put on the new mm-hmm. self. And so, yes, come to Jesus. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus, but come to Jesus and he will clean you up. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to remain the same person you were when you came to Jesus. And and I think that, you know, <laughs> why do I know that? Is that is that my opinion? No, it's scripture. <laughs> That's what it says. You know, we we have to understand that we can no longer continue in whatever sinful behavior we were into when we came to Jesus, he calls us out of that. He, he creates a new person and we are to take the old person off and to turn away and to repent of those things and then accept and put on the new person that he's created in us. And so, you know, we, we get that. It's not my opinion. Don't get mad at me because that's the way it is. It's, it's what, you know, it's what the word of God says. And so it's, it's the, it's the difference of God loves me the way I am. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, he does, but that's where people stop. Right. <laughs> God loves me the way I am, so therefore he loves me, so I don't need to change. Right. But the biblical side of things is, yes, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you that way. Mm-hmm. He wants to change you. He wants you to become what what he has created you to be and to be in his likeness. And it does not negate the fact that he does love us in the midst and the the dirty mess that we are yes he loves us there um, but he wants us to grow into something different something new absolutely and uh, there's lots of i mean this it just goes on um there's lots of things here that i i um add to my premarital counseling (laughs) <laughs> All right, I know where you're going on that one. Yeah. Let's just let's just cuz I I tend to not agree with that. Okay. What so let's talk about that for a second. All right. The you're talking about the don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
I was okay. Yeah, that's part of it. I was wondering about that one. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, but I didn't think we were there Is yet. Is that where you're going with that? Uh, I mean, that's part of what. That's part of where I'm going. All right, so, so you do you bring that? Do you say that to to marriage count or marriage married couples or couples that are getting ready to be married? I I, I share the sentiment in that. Yeah, literally. It may be that you need to let the sun go down. <laughs> okay, okay. You may need to pick it up the next day. Okay, good. Because it's not healthy in the moment to do that. Yeah. However, the sentiment yeah, behind it correct. is don't let it fester. Yes. Okay, yes. don't let it just – don't assume that it's going to get better by not addressing it. Right. I think there are so many people. Oh. Yeah. I was one of them. I've heard that so many times. Yep. I remember on go to bed angry. I remember on our wedding day. Yeah. Someone told me, said the best advice I can give you is this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I and I internalized that. And and I think early on in our marriage, I legitimately felt like that had to be the case. And if I went to bed or if we went to bed and there was something that we had not uh, worked out mm-hmm. that I was doing something unbiblical. I mean, I legitimately felt that way. And I think the longer I have gone through, I'm like, I remember there was one time, two o'clock in the morning, we still had not figured out the argument. And finally, I was like, you know what? We got to go to bed because this yeah. is only going to get worse. We are only going to keep fighting on this. We're only getting tired, which means we're only getting more angry. So let's just go to bed and let's be done with this for the moment. And yes, I think we had to come back to that later. Mm-hmm. But I legitimately, that is something that that when we were, I was reading through this passage, <clears throat> I was like, you know, if we're not careful and we read that, that is the sentiment, yes. Yeah. I think the sentiment to that is we don't let the things in our lives, the, the things that we argue over fester to a point that they become bigger problems. Yeah. Um, but I legitimately in, would say that early on in my marriage, I internalized that as th- I have to do this or I am doing something wrong. And, I, and I've, I've grown to come to the point that I don't agree with that anymore as far as to the, the specific of it. The sentiment, yes, but to the, to the core of it. Well, let me push you on it just a minute. Yep. At the, at the core of it, at the, at the end of the day where the rubber meets the road, if you're at odds with your spouse mm-hmm. and you're angry, you've had it out. She's mad. You're mad. Is it not true? Somebody's unbiblical. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the crux of it is we have to have enough humility mm-hmm. to be able to get to the point where we say, look, being right with you is more important than being yep. me being right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. You know, let's see if, we, if we're having it out with each other, uh-huh. you and me, buddy. Me having fellowship and being you're in way bigger. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> me having fellowship with you and us yep. being in unity is supersedes everything else or whatever we're fussing about. Mm-hmm. And so then it's just a, it's a matter of, okay. How long am I going to do? How long before I do the right thing? Yeah, but at two o'clock in the morning, I know. But you, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> My brain, I, is I do. Not I, willing to give it up. It, it, I will. Say, I'll be honest with you. You know, <laughs> friends, <laughs> Paige and I fuss at one another. <laughs> 
I'm just going to be honest with you. Man, you just, just shattered happens. everybody's world right there. Please, please. Let's also be honest. Sometimes. Paige is probably let right. Me just, let me just shatter it more. Paige is probably right most of the time. Let me just shatter it more. Sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> most frequently. But uh, I tell you, uh, I mean, it's hard for me to sit there and most likely when this when things like that happen, she goes to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there watching TV steaming. And uh, there's been several times where I'm like, I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And I'll go in there and say, look, I was stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, it, and it, you know, it's not like she's going to go, oh, that's okay. Sweetie, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. Come down. <laughs> Sometimes she's just going to look at me and like, you know, we can talk about this tomorrow, but I have to get it off my chest. <laughs> and so, and it, and it stems from that admonition from, from Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think at the very end of it all though, yeah, it, what I've come to do in my premarital training is simply say, you know, you have to deal with your problems. You have to deal with the yeah. things that you're, you're, that are there. There are times though that you may have to go to bed. Yeah. And you're upset with each other, but you need to you need to come back to this. You yeah. need you need to deal with whatever it is. I'm not saying that there aren't times that yes, you know, we we forgive and we move on. Yeah. Those are a lot of times little things, but sometimes you just need to be you need to yeah. be at your best. You need to be rested. You need to, you know, yeah. have your wits about you in order to do Sometimes right. you just need to step away. Yeah. Sometimes in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Neither one is willing to surrender, <laughs> and sometimes when you step away is whenever the Holy Spirit it kind of has that opportunity to kind of speak to you a little bit and say, "Well, calm down." Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> yes. So, but there's also this whole we, you got to remember that anger is a human emotion, not a sin. Correct. Sinful anger is an is a sin. Uh huh. But anger is a God given emotion. Yep. Well, ang- be angry and do not be sin. Be angry and do not sin. Verse 26, for those of you playing alone. Yeah. <laughs> We're just having a conversation at this point. <laughs> I just, I, I think, I don't know. Leah pointed out to me recently, I'm uncomfortable with anger. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to figure that out. I'm uncomfortable with the emotion of anger. You being angry yeah, or I don't being, really people being angry. I don't really want to open Look up. Look at his he's, he's, he's <laughs> arms across. I know. He's giving off all the vibes here. But I think, I think that's a – No, I, there's a lot of people listening. <laughs> um, but I think that – I think we get that confused a lot. And and it says, don't let the sun go down. So we're not talking about going to bed. We're talking about 6 p.m. <laughs> okay? Like if you're going to be literal about yep, the scripture yep. – mm-hmm. I think it is the, it's the idea. I, I think, and that goes to a bigger point, and I don't know how, I'm not very good at eloquating what's going on up inside this brain of mine. <laughs> this is an analogy. It's not a good analogy, but it's an analogy. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I believe in my heart, I got into this a little bit on our mission trip, that food is the source of almost all of our health things these days. I believe that mm-hmm. processed food is probably the core of what everybody experiences health-wise right now. And I know for me that... Keep on, we could get a sponsor and have this know, whole right? thing sponsored. I know, be like, I know, like at my core, I should shop on the outside of the supermarket and never eat the stuff that's in the middle. I should be eating meats and the dairy, and I should be eating the fruits and the veggies. 
and I shouldn't be shopping in the middle because it's all been processed. And I know for me, of course, I don't, I haven't had soda in seven, eight years now, but I know for me, soda, sugar, and bread. I know, look, that's not real sugar though. Those are my favorite though. Um, I'm just teasing. I know. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I know that when I am doing all those things, when I'm barely eating any sweets mm-hmm. and when, which I have a fairly good diet, but when I'm not eating anything out of a box and when I'm eating very, very little bread and I, oh, man, you're just stomping all over me <laughs> that I not only like am healthier, but I feel better. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to run further. I'll be able to bike further. I will feel better. I will sleep better. All those things. I know those things. And that is the guide to how to be healthier and live better. But you don't do it. But I don't do it. <laughs> and especially in November and December. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hitting that Chex Mix <sighs> and the cake and the stuff at night. I think that anytime Paul launches into, I mean, my uh, uh, heading starting at, at verse 17 is instructions. For Christian living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to God takes us where we are. Yes. There is a path. And he, he lays in front of us through his word. Here's a way to be a more complete person. Mm-hmm. To live pure. To run away from sin. To deny yourself. Mm-hmm. To do all these things that we're talking about here. To, to uh, as he says in verse, what, 19? Um no, that's giving off impurity and greed, um, getting rid of the old self, put off falsehood, speak truthfully. These are all like, that's eat your Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. eat your broccoli, all those things. And when you do that, it will produce for you a harvest of righteousness. Mm-hmm. He's still going to love you if you're not doing it. Yeah. But like, this is the guidepost. And like, I think I hit it a couple weeks ago. We live in a day and age where consequence for your actions is just thrown mm-hmm. out the door. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I think it was on the parenting thing. I've tried to teach my kids there's a consequence. Good, bad, and indifferent. Everything you do has a consequence. When you live according to the principles that, that are laid out in Scripture, the consequence is righteousness in the way you live. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be healthier as a Christian, just like I'm going to be healthier when I eat my fruits and veggies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I so. I don't know, to come back full circle in that, I think it is a, it's letting you have that anger, but not be sinful in how you have anger. It's how you live out speaking truthfully, but having love in how you speak. That's, that's the core of how to live a life that, that produces righteousness, mm-hmm. not, not the imputed righteousness, but yeah, righteous living. So how do you have anger? And not sin. So I'm not good at it. So that's why. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the the prime example of this is that Jesus was yeah. angry in the t- temple when he was casting out the money changers and all that, mm-hmm. turning over the tables. He was clearly angry. And we, we call that righteous indignation, mm-hmm. you know, and he had a right to, to be that way because of the sin that was taking place in his father's house. And so I think, I think the the uh, the thing that defines being angry and yet not sinning is what the focus of your anger is. Yeah, it is you're angry over the circumstances of something. You are angry. It's when you're angry, your anger is focused at people, mm-hmm. and your you know venom is focused at people, 
which builds up these thoughts, these sinful thoughts in your mind and things like that, that is being angry and sinning. Yeah. And, and yet, often selfish right. anger. It's yeah. And I'm angry because you hurt. That's me. the core of everything. You know, yeah. it's 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 a selfishness. Yeah. And when when your anger is focused in that manner, it's a sinful type of anger. Which probably <laughs> there are Sean and I were having this conversation just yesterday. I got really upset with one of my kids. And no. it started off as a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. It did not end that way. <laughs> there, yeah. there is because yeah. I think there's natural reality with my kids that that I get upset with my kids when they do something wrong. When yeah. I see when they transgress a law, a yep. precept, but whether often, it's God's law or what you've handed them. But oftentimes, the, the the progression for me is that's where the anger starts, and then they continue to buck it, and now I'm just mad because you're going against me. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes, it's that progression of, of anger that, right. that kind of goes through the, the gamut of it. And so, you know, even even a righteous anger can become unrighteous very quickly. Right. I, I feel like in my life and career, I've had to have righteous indignation uh-huh. a few times, specifically with regard uh-huh. to my job. And um, in those, I was fully comfortable and felt like I was yeah. justified by yeah. the Lord. Um, in and you those, don't feel convicted. Don't feel convicted. Yep. Felt pretty good in my anger, mm-hmm. all those things. I have struggled understanding how you apply that to things. Mm, this is family that are not godly. Yeah, everything yeah, yeah. everything is, is godly for the right. believer. But I'm saying like, yeah. When I'm fighting and it's two o'clock in the morning and I don't know that that gets mm-hmm. that gets really yeah I don't know I don't have the emotional intelligence <laughs> Leah would she'd have really good words to say about this <laughs> um anybody else got anything I, I've got one more one more little segment here that I I want to hit um that uh, before we get off of here and we're we're prolonging this I think maybe longer than necessary but. Uh, this had a lot in it. <laughs> I know. It, we'll get it down to verse 29. No foul language <laughs> should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. <laughs> and don't yeah. grieve the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, other parts of Paul's writings, many, t- many places, you know, James, um, other other letters to the churches, uh, he begins to talk about how we should let nothing out of our mouth except that which is good for building each other up in love. Mm-hmm. Same same thought, same process, and and um, it, the thing for me again there, you know, I always have these things in life that remind me of, of scriptural things, and the great theologian Toby Mac <laughs> said it best when he he admonished us to speak life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the, the inspiration behind that song is, is, um, from the writings of Brendan Manning. And, uh, he says, we have these exchanges, we have opportunities in life when we confront people, when we come face to face with people and we have, we communicate with people, you, you are either doing one of two things. You're either building them up or tearing them down. Mm-hmm. There's no neutral exchanges. And we need to speak life, Toby says. You know, Paul says we need to build each other up. We need to say only those things which are good for building someone 
up as building someone in need. And, and I think that that's something that we need to remember. Um, uh, if, and that, that speaks to our, you know, our spousal issues that we've just talked about. It speaks to our, uh, you know, church issues that we sometimes have from time to time when we have disagreements, it speaks to the person across the cubicle, uh, from you at work. It speaks to the person across the, in the, in the aisle next to you at school, um, across the lunch table. I mean, we need to remember that words communicate things and they're, they were given to us for specific reasons. And ultimately they were given to us so that we would, glorify God and build each other up and edify the body. And uh, so often we don't do that, but it, I mean, it, and I, I say that because I'm convicted of it. It's not that I'm sitting here thinking I'm on my high horse and I never do these things. It's that these are good words that we need yeah. to remember. Yeah. Right. And I think in that also one little thing going on, and maybe I'm just missing something in the translation. Um, a of all, it says no unwholesome talk. That's not just cursing. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. This yeah. is, we're talking about what you, at the core of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> do not let, in the NIV, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay. So if that's A, B is, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's B. C, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, if it's, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, that it may benefit those who listen. You could, the person you're talking to who's listening is not necessarily the one you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? So that B section can is, can be isolated almost. Only what's helpful for building others up. When you're talking about someone else, the person who's listening, it needs to be helpful mm-hmm. to them. And that's, I think, where the vast majority of a struggle. I can be real nice to your face. Yeah. But what I say about Jason behind his back yeah. to Tiger yeah. is not good. It's generally about how he smells and stuff. So I'm just kidding. Um, but like it, mm-hmm. what the person that's listening, it needs to benefit the person that's listening. Whatever you're talking mm-hmm. about needs to benefit the person, even if you're talking about somebody else mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. else. No, it's a good. Um, and so, that's so good. watch, watch that. Yeah. All right. Wrapping that up. 32. Yeah. I was kind. Say. There you go. Sean. Well, I was just say 32. You're present. Uh, I think that's a big one for the body, like the church. How often have we either been in, seen, or experienced mm-hmm. stories of church members who, I mean, completely deconstruct relationships, like lifelong relationships over just stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. And they're unwilling to be compassionate and kind to each other, unwilling to forgive that they'll just allow a relationship that's been for years and years and years just to com- crumble over nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... That's something that happens so often in the church that we have to realize is just like Christ forgave us, we should forgive others, even if they're in the wrong. We should yeah. forgive others and continue to love each other. Yeah. And, and you know, truthfully, I, I would add this to that as well. You can be kind and be compassionate to one another, and you can forgive one another. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go on mm-hmm. yep. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. It may be that if if that party continues in a destructive lifestyle, continues to act in a manner that is contrary to scripture, it may be that you have to sever those relationships, but you can do so in a loving manner. You can just say, Hey, you know, I've got to move on with my life. I love you. I want what's best for you. And I forgive you. But 
it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be best friends with everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not what that's saying. Yeah. Um, it, it means that you can have the freedom to break a relationship if it's necessary because of a biblical stance, a theological underpinnings are mm-hmm. being violated or whatever. Um, but it also means that, you know, you, you, you can't harbor resentment toward them. Right. You've got to be able to forgive them because that's what God did for us. None of us deserve mm. his forgiveness. Mm. You know, we're, we're not all that in the bag of chips. A couple of years ago, Becky Baker. Um, Just call her out right here I did. in front of everybody. I did. Well, because I think it's important. She said to me, we were talking about some hurt, and she said to me, well, have you, have you forgiven them? Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I'm trying but I can't. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Um, and she said, you look around you at what God's doing in your life and through you. Imagine what he could do if you would mm. actually forgive those people. Mm. Yeah. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. Yep. yep. And it set me on a journey that I had to figure it out. And I don't, God, uh, God gives us direction to forgive. We're human. That doesn't mean you can yeah. flip a switch and say, okay, I forgive that person. That's going to be a journey, but God offer, honors the journey. I, th- I think in that time I learned, my prayer through that time was, Lord, I'm not ready, but can you help me get there? Yeah. And God honors that journey. I don't think God requires us to forgive mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. I think he honors the fact that we're trying to lean on him to do something we can't in and of right. ourselves. Right. And uh, so anyway, That's just good. a word of whatever. Yeah. Well, you're never going to lie to yourself. You can say, I, I forgive you yeah. and not mean it. Mm. Yeah. You say the words, but I mean, so I, I, I hear, I'm picking up what you're putting mm-hmm. there. That's good. You smell, mm-hmm. you stepping in what I'm stepping in what I'm <laughs> smelling what I'm stepping in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap that up again. Good thanks stuff. to Sean for sitting in with us today, buddy. And uh, we'll have you in here more. And, uh, we forgot to set up our, our effigy of uh, <laughs> Pastor Corey, oh, yeah. but uh, maybe we can superimpose that uh, on the I can on bring the up the picture. If Somewhere he is minutes. saying, thank you. Yes, I know. <laughs> but anyway, thank you again for joining us uh, on Seymour uh, from the Front Pew. Uh, if something, uh, again, that you heard in this broadcast was of value, uh, maybe you want to share it with other people. You may want to like and follow and subscribe and all those kinds of things to wherever you listen to this podcast. We appreciate you doing that. And until we see you again. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the gift that keeps giving. It's the gift that keeps giving. Whole year long. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Anyway, again, thank you. And uh, we're now going to say goodbye, folks. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to Seymour from the Front Pew. Our sole desire for this podcast is to glorify God by educating and encouraging His body. If you would like to learn more about anything you've heard today, feel free to reach out by email at staff at seymourfbc.org or by visiting our website at seymourfbc.org. If you're located near our community and do not have a church home, come worship with us at 1015 a.m. on Sunday morning. Until then, we pray God's richest blessings on you and yours as you love God, love others, make disciples, and live the life.